Hey everyone, before we get started, I just wanted to discuss the timeline of this season. Our episodes are not necessarily presented in the order we recorded them, and these conversations took place over the course of the past few months. Therefore, we may touch on some, but not all, current events. That being said, Victoria and I want to express our love and support for all using their voices for positive change. Hey guys, thank you for joining us. I'm Sarah DeForest. And I'm Victoria Banks. This is The Table, a podcast by and about women in the entertainment industry. Welcome to episode three, where we chat with publisher and A&R extraordinaire, Noreen Prunier. We invite you to pull up a chair and get super, super comfortable because everyone deserves a seat at The, the table. table. Do what you want, work what you got, say what you think and don't let them stop you. Stop you, don't, don't let them stop. Stop you, don't, don't let them stop you. Don't, don't let them stop Okay, guys. So today we have the lovely Noreen Prunier. I just, just learned how to pronounce her last name. I've known you for like three years and she, <laughs> she had to confirm it before we, we started. Um, we are so excited to have you here. Thank you so much for being here with us. Thank you for having me. So a little bit about Noreen for those of you who aren't familiar with her. She is currently the A&R at Wide Eye Entertainment. It's a management and publishing venture with Pulse Recordings. And you work right under Becca Tixture, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. She is a legend. Guys, go Google her if you don't know her because the the resume is too long for us to talk about <laughs> in this episode. <laughs> for real. Yeah. These clients that you are currently working with, um, just some small writers like Julia Michaels, Becky G. A lot of your writers have worked with Rihanna, Drake, Cardi B. I mean, all over the place. So you are in some very good company. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and before that, you were at Altadena, which is um, the company started by Busby. Um, and again, guys, if you don't know who Busby is, just go Google him because this episode is too short to, to go over the incredibleness of that human. Um, but you are a big part in developing young artists and writers and you signed Lindsay Lomas who's one of my favorite new um artist writers she's incredible and she's what 15 oh yeah I mean we signed her 15 now she's 17 um but yeah so young it's insane amazing I'm so I mean in the last two years since we've known each other it's been insane to to watch what you've done with that and now you're just about to move to LA right next month yeah like two weeks Oh my gosh. And then the middle of a quarantine. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. A great time. <laughs> what a way to start off. <laughs> and lastly, this is my favorite point about you as a human, as if we could condense you into bullet points. But um, you are a key component of building the Nashville pop scene. You've really cultivated that in your career here in town because you started out at Belmont and you started out um, with all these creative peers. I think think if I remember correctly you were a little bit of a creative yourself and so you took all that passion for pop and helped build a community that as someone who's been working in Nashville for almost six years didn't really exist up until a couple years ago Um, (laughs) so I mean pretty pretty dang impressive for for someone just you know kind of starting out in your career but not really um yeah so definitely just starting out (laughs) (laughs) A, a little bird told me that you uh, started off dabbling in songwriting when you were going to Belmont. And yeah. um, so 
So how did that transition for you from doing that into the business side? Yeah, so I came to Nashville to be a songwriter, um, was interning in publishing companies so I could like learn how to be a better writer and like just listen to songs all the time. Um, and then fell in love with that side of it and got a job um, my last semester of school at BMG Publishing as like the catalog manager and um, was kind of still doing both sides of it, like the business side and the writing side. But um, that was where I met my um, former boss, Daniel Lee, who actually was the one who told me, he was like, you should focus on being a creative on the publishing side because I think you'd be really good at it. And I was like, no, like, that's not what I'm meant to do. Like, you don't understand. And he was like, oh, like, I think this is like, this is what you should be focusing on. So I feel like I kind of just like went with, went with that because like of what he's done. I was like, you obviously know what you're talking about. So kind of just like said yes to that path. And it just opened up so many more doors for me. And it was just way more obvious, like this is what I should be doing with my life versus songwriting. But it was a weird transition and like kind of a little bit of like an identity crisis for a second there. <laughs> but, but yeah, now I just still get to like work in the creative process and work with songwriters, which is like the best job in the world. So I still feel super lucky and know also how hard it is to do the business side. So yeah. That's yeah. amazing. So, so what does your day look like from day to day now with what you're doing? Yeah, it's I mean, kind of just a dream, like listening to songs all day, giving feedback to songwriters we work with um, and finding new talent, um, trying to sign new writers and artists. Um, but listening, yeah, listening to other artists and what's coming out, like what trends are going on, booking sessions, getting my writers to write with other writers and then pitching those songs to get them cut by artists, hopefully. Um, a little pitching in sync, not super like fluent in that world, but basically just trying to get placements for my writers is my main goal. Um, so yeah. And do you still dabble at all in like in writing just for yourself or are you pretty much just, you know, laser focused on the industry side? I don't anymore. Um, I know some ARs who do do that and mm -hmm. it's not like, I feel like it's not a weird thing. It just for me, it was kind of like, once I decided to choose this, that part of me just kind of was like, I don't really see a need because in my, in my mind, I feel like I'm so like goal oriented and can hear how much better other writers are. I'm like, mm -hmm. I don't really need to like try to beat that because that will never happen. Sure. <laughs> so um, yeah, I don't, I don't really do it for fun. I mean, I still like play like guitar or piano or something just for fun, but mm -hmm. Yeah, no, no writing. And I'm just gonna say you're welcome to the world for that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's I think I think that's an incredible past experience to have because as a creative, there's nothing more like calming and reassuring than an industry person who knows what it's like to be that vulnerable and put yourself out there and really kind of bury your soul and also knows what that day to day life looks like. So totally it helps so much. And that's where I, I, I met a lot of writers in the pop community in Nashville from like when I was a songwriter. And then, yeah, I, I really do understand more of like what your day to day looks like. And you kind of speak the same language, you know, mm -hmm. and you know how to like talk about, you know, songs in a different way and less of a businessy way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And you, and you have a sensitivity for the emotional journey that a songwriter is on too. <laughs> totally. Like I've been so careful with what I say when I get feedback because I never want to be the person that's like, quit now you'll never make it like mm -hmm. I know how many times you guys hear no because we get that too 
Um, but so yeah, I'm really, I really am careful with that too. Cause I know, I remember that feeling of rejection all the time. Yeah. And it can be really one industry person, even if it's not someone who really is your hardcore champion. Like you said, it, it can be one yes or one encouraging thing. I've had a million of those where in the moment it felt like my lifeline and looking back, I'm like, that was not a big deal. But in the moment, it really was the thing that kept me going. And, totally. and so for you, you mentioned that you started out at BMG and you happened to just find your industry side champions and the people that really believed in you and saw your potential there. How did you, how did your journey end up with you at Altadena and really honing your skills even more there? And then now land you with wide-eyed yeah um well at bmg i was trying really hard to move up and be like a real creative i was the receptionist catalog manager so i was getting to listen to songs i wasn't pitching or booking anyone's rights which i was dying to do Mm -hmm. so i kind of just started meeting writers on the side and was like semi-managing them i would get their calendars and like somehow trick them into like thinking that I knew what I was doing. I was like, I have no idea what I was doing. Like, but I was like, oh yeah, like give me your calendar. I'll put like you in some rights, which I like didn't know anyone. So I kind of just like started doing the job that I wanted before I got it. And I feel like now, like anyone I hire, like intern wise or like anyone, it's like, you want to make sure like they're doing it without getting paid for it. Cause like th- you should be passionate about it first. And for me, I got to learn how to be a creative without having the job. And it like, I got to kind of get all of my failures and like awkwardness out of the way without anyone like paying me for it. So yep. <laughs> I was doing that and it kind of spiraled. I was working with like all these creators in Nashville. I had like 14 writers I was working with. And one of those writers was an artist named Carlos Barra who um, I had sent I to Daniel. Yeah. So I had sent to Daniel and then that was the first time I was like, oh wow, this is like how you pitch an artist. Like he was super interested in it. I sent it to Busby. Busby was super interested in it because they were working together at the time. And that was the first time Busby and I connected over something. And Busby was kind of like, who are you? Like, what do you do? Like, why do you have these like songs and these writers? And we just started sending songs back and forth all the time. And he would send me a song that he would do with like a huge artist and be like, what do you think? I was like, uh, I'm not like a real person. I don't know why you're sending me music, but I was like giving him like mixed notes and stuff and um, kind of just started like a dialogue with him. And then, like, randomly out of the blue, a few months into that, he called me and was like, hey, I'm starting this company, and I want you to be involved. Um, and so I was like, yes, whenever, I'll do whatever you want. I will so I will follow you wherever. Like, um, so got to work with him at Altadena um, for, like, almost two years, and that's kind of how that started. A true fake it till you make it success story. <laughs> for real. I, I love how you said, you know – work like you've got the job before you have it. Mm-hmm. Like do the job before you have it. That's what, such great advice. That's really yeah. great. Advice. It got me in trouble, like for sure. Like I'm not saying like, oh, do that. And like you, you know, like like I was told like stay in your lane, like a lot. Mm-hmm. Like I was like not like encouraged really by a lot of people to be doing that. Um, and I started putting on like showcases and like writers camps and like, you know, these pop hangs and stuff and like just trying to find ways that I could be valuable as a creative and like kind of find like niches and gaps in the market a little bit that like no one else was doing so I definitely wasn't like doing it and I'm like oh yeah everyone like was like great job they were like uh <laughs> stop doing this like this is not, you're not answering phones 
Well, so, ironically, there's two, there's two sides to it for sure, but yeah. I encourage people to do that. But ironically, that's what now everyone, like, that's your calling card now. The thing that everyone's totally. like, stay in your lane for. And that's how, how we met is Riley. I had coffee with Riley, one of your artists and writers at Altadena, and she's incredible, guys. Please go check her out. She's awesome and we were grabbing coffee and I was like yeah man there's not a lot of pop here and I'm a pop writer and I'm just kind of like floundering not really finding a lot of things and she was like you have to meet Noreen and so as someone who met you through that vein and didn't know anything about you other than this person that I liked and trusted connected us that was so incredible I met so many fantastic pop writers that I still worked with through you through doing that and now that's the thing that everyone's like thinks of you as the person who did that and made their name doing that so that's a really incredible thing and it makes me curious as to something Victoria and I were talking about which is as a woman in the industry how do you think that your gender has affected your career your ability to move up or to not move up or all of those different things because it really is we as women here definitely to a certain degree more of that stay in your lane don't break the rules and try new things all of that so how do you think looking back being a woman has affected your career um I think like definitely when I was at BMG it was an old school mindset like from the top it was definitely like, you know, stay in your lane. Like um, a lot of opportunities were given to like men for sure. But I was lucky that like with Daniel and Busby, especially like they are huge proponents for women. And like I had really, they were really great bosses to be like in that position with. Like I never felt like, because, you know, like if I ever wanted to have kids or like, like our, like uh, their values aligned, I feel like with what I was looking for. Um, so then I got really lucky because they like, they've signed mostly women, they promote female artists and writers and like most of Alphabet, you know, it was all of Alphabet actually on the employee side was female except for Daniel. So, <laughs> um, so I got lucky with that. Um, but yeah, hundred percent, there's definitely, I feel like only a few seats at the table and a few spots that like are for women. But at the same time, I feel like you just have to work just as hard and harder just to like earn that spot and if you're amazing at what you do and like are creative and think of new ways to like you know make an impact on your community then I think it shouldn't matter your gender but like you definitely have to you know work just as hard if not harder I feel Mm -hmm. like to 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 stand out and really like make an impact but for what we do I think as a female it's like incredibly valuable like I'm constantly talking with songwriters and encouraging them. It's like a nurturing process. Like mm-hmm. I think it's even more of a, an advantage to be a female in like the publishing world, at least. I was just going to ask you yeah. that if you felt like there were ways that it was, yeah, that it gave you an advantage and especially in sort of networking and uh, connecting with other people. Um, it seems like maybe women do that slightly differently than men um, totally. or, have different kinds of opportunities in that so um yeah that's interesting that you pointed that out yeah 100 like it, i think we're, we're we love to connect and that's the best part about what we do it's like we're connecting dots all the time with people and it's a developing nurturing relationship that we have with songwriters 
That's amazing. Is it at the hearing you guys talk about that? It made me wonder because every woman's experience in the industry is super different. We all go through a lot of the same things, whether we're on the creative or industry side, but our own journeys are so, so unique is helping other women succeed, giving them a leg up or an opportunity. Whereas you might know or think or see other in other people in the industry kind of doing the whole, you know, people don't want to listen to women, et cetera, et cetera, is helping other women at the forefront of a lot of your decisions? Or is it something that you just do naturally by doing your job and seeking out the best talent? Because I know different women and people in general have different mindsets. Um, so what is your mindset when it comes to your everyday creative discovery and development, how does that look like? Totally. Yeah. I think definitely it's talent first above everything else. And from like hiring someone or whatever, it would be focused on, are they the best at what they do? But I've always gravitated more towards women and because yeah, like you said, it is helping the next person in line and making sure like, because I got certain opportunities, I want to make sure other females also get those opportunities if like they're not being given them by other people. Mm -hmm. Um, and especially as a female, you want to make sure that like you're, you are aware of that. Cause it's like, you can't ignore it and pretend that that isn't there. Um, and it's like other men aren't stepping up and doing that. You've got to make sure that at least you're doing that. So there's like, it's not being overlooked. Mm -hmm. So how do you go about scouting for talent? What's your process? A lot of it is on recommendations, like through, you know, ASCAP, BMI, CSAC, um, other songwriting organizations like GSC or NSAI, um, or like other publishers or other managers or other label people saying, you know, we, this person's really talented, doesn't make sense for us. Like, mm-hmm. um, or my writer is writing with someone who's like not signed or with the company and seeing their name that way. I'm like, oh, who's this person in all these songs? So a lot of it's through like your network of people you already know. Um, and then other, other, you know, ways it's just listening to new music Friday and finding what's, you know, um, what people are loving, but you know, might not be signed. Um, so, I mean, a lot of it's that, like, it's a lot, a lot less going to shows and mm-hmm. seeing things that way. That's kind of like the last step. I feel like it's like, I already know who this person is. And I'm seeing if it like kind of follows through live. Um, yeah, that's like probably the main reason, the main way I scout, I guess. And then what does the development of of talent look like on your end? So different. I mean, for me, it's a lot of it is on the songwriting side. So it's a lot of, you know, putting people in the room with new people that can help elevate them and like develop their craft as a songwriter. Um, and then me giving feedback on those songs and like telling them how they can get better. Um, but a lot of it too is like, you know, on the artist side, it's the branding and marketing, choosing the right font and like the right photographer and like you're making sure your socials are all like in line and Mm -hmm. um, people are intrigued by you and you have an authenticity that like is that that people want to buy into. So a lot of it's, you know, stuff that isn't super tangible and like practical. It's a lot of like trying to just fit all the pieces together and then, someone else will, you know, see your vision and like put money behind that. If it's a record label, a manager, if it's a booking agent, um, if it's, you know, like a huge platform that wants to promote your writer or artist. So um, I feel like that's probably like the main way. Yeah. yeah. So much of it is, is stuff that you, 
if you do it right, is something that a normal listener audience member will not even notice that you put a lot of hours into. Like you said, the font and making sure your socials and everything are together and your branding is good. That's stuff that you don't want your listener to have to think about. You don't want it to sound sound or sound or look or seem like it was created. And that's I think that's such a big part of it that people don't ever think about the industry side. And you publishers and A&R, y'all are the unsung heroes, the people that rarely get acknowledged for things, but that really- <laughs> Somewhat invisible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're the the invisible like dream makers. It's it's amazing. <laughs> is, is there, it, it's really true. You know, you guys are the people that give creatives and dreamers opportunities to succeed and that's your dream to watch creatives succeed. So it's a really beautiful thing that we totally. don't get to say thank you enough for. So- Hopefully this Very podcast true. will highlight those those people and say thank you because you That's deserve awesome. it. But I'm curious as to what your, especially since you're transitioning to a new company um, and you're kind of in this in-between stage, you're getting to really dive into working with this new roster of artists and writers and getting to know them and their catalogs. What is something that would make your job easier or you're looking to develop or anything like that or is there anything um make my job easier or like if there's anything that is like frustrating to you consistently about your job that you wish would change okay yeah that um is easier to understand so i think a lot of our job is out of our control on the publishing side, at least, like my job is to get the songs the way we want them to sound and then think of ideas of who could cut this song. But then after that, it's out of your hands. Like you kind of have to hand it off to the next person in line, whether that's the producer, the artist, the manager, the A&R. And it's their job to make sure the artist gets it cut and, you know, and it actually comes out and like, you know, there's there's a release date and then all the other stuff like the marketing and all that, the promo, like that's all taken care of. So I don't really get a say in that side of it. And I think that's why a lot of like, you know, songwriters end up becoming artists and a lot of the publishers want to end up moving to the label side because they feel like they get to control more of the end result. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think maybe that, that world, and you know, that's why a lot of publishers, you know, have their own labels too and like start putting out their own music because then they can kind of just like, at least without having all of these barriers. But I don't know, like, I think that also is like a necessary evil that we kind of have to deal with because I, I'm not, I don't want to really be focused on like picking out fonts. I don't want to be in like the, <laughs> I don't want to be in the marketing meetings and like I would rather do this side of it than that side. So I'm okay with like not being able to be in control all the time. Yeah, well, and, and many times, for me as a songwriter, I've wished that I could just play my songs directly for the artists since they're <laughs> usually the ones that are going to be the ones that say yay or nay in the end, you know, most of the time. But then when you th- really think about that, if all those barriers were removed, what that would do to an artist having that constant input from every direction. And there's a reason why they're protected from that. So mm-hmm. yeah, I guess things are set up that way for a reason, but it, it I totally understand what you're saying about the frustration like the of DMV. that. Like <laughs> you gotta wait in line and like put the effort in and do the paperwork, but like you get, you know, to drive a car at the end of it. Like it sucks, <laughs> but you kind of got to deal with it. <laughs> yep. that's, that's very true. It's the perfect analogy. <laughs> <laughs> so is there 
Is there anything that you're really, really looking forward to when you officially like get boots on the ground in LA? Because you're already starting working with this new team, but what are you most excited about in this transition? Is it an artist, a writer, group of things, like change of scenery? Like, is there anything that you're like, oh my gosh, I can't wait to do this? I mean, I think change of scenery for sure, but um, I've been kind of riding the fence a little bit of both country and pop for like mm-hmm. about two years at Altadena. I was doing both worlds and I was just struggling to do both 100%. So I'm excited to just kind of like dive into the pop world without excluding Nashville or country. I still like think there's like opportunities for crossover, but I'm excited to just really focus on one thing and learn all those people and all the up and coming writers and, you know, find my core community there. Um, because I've been going back and forth for a year every month. And so I'm excited to kind of just dive in in that world and just learn as much as possible from my new boss, Becca. And just like, she's the most incredible, you know, creative as well. So really excited to learn from her and just kind of how like she's navigated the industry for so long in that Mm -hmm. space. Um, But yeah, I'm excited for our writers as well. And just to kind of see what I can do with, this new talent and you know the opportunities we can create and just you know it's it's always fun to work with writers in different capacities and some are just artists some are just writers some are just producers some are a bunch of different things Mm -hmm. so it's cool you can kind of get creative with what you bring them opportunity wise and just like what kind of sessions to put them in with and um yeah and just kind of give like breathe a little bit of new life into their catalog and um yeah I guess all all that stuff. <laughs> You're a little creative matchmaker. Yeah, it's amazing. So, yeah. so I'm I'm curious as someone with a foot in both the country world and the pop world over the past while. Do you have any like reflections, opinions, theories about the levels of opportunity for women in country as opposed to pop? Um, mm-hmm. And you know, it, is it different and and why? Yeah. I mean, artist and songwriter-wise in the pop space, females, I feel like, are are the majority of the talent. Like, I think of, like, pop stars that you know. Like, they're all women. Like, there's, like, three, like, pop dudes, you know, like, who, who you'd listen to. Like, Shawn Mendes, like, Charlie Puth, like, the Jonas Brothers, like, everyone else. It's, like, Selena, Demi, you know, Miley Cyrus. Like, it's, like, the, the the pinks you know the superstars yeah. are all women <laughs> but in country I feel like that was kind of like you know the the 90s and like 2000s for country it was like that it was Faith Hill and Shania like it was like that level of you know superstardom and now I think we're just starting to kind of like turn the tide in country but it hasn't been like that for a while do you Did think you- it's just pendulum swings in general um that caused that or anything maybe i don't know like i think they're they're connected in a way too where like especially in the, the songwriting side of it like mm-hmm. as yeah as there's you know a wave of like the bro country phase like there aren't gonna be females writing that there aren't gonna be females singing that so if that's popular and trending then how can you you know fit into that mold if it's really like of genre vibe meant for men you know it's literally mm-hmm. called broke country <laughs> so yeah. I don't know I think I think as yeah like it just takes like one artist to really turn the tide and like maybe that was Mary Morris where it's like you know coming back into more of like an organic sound 
um, I think like that's kind of the, it takes just one to kind of really change the pattern and to make it not so weird and different. And now people are trying to copy that thing. And as that happens, it'll be like definitely more in that world. And the, the people that were doing the trend before that, you know, can't make it anymore. So yeah, I guess it probably is like a pendulum thing. And we just re- we recycled ideas all of the time in music. So yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't know, but I would hope it's not because of like, you know, radio controlling what that we're playing. I just, I'm sure that's part of it too. And since you worked with so many female artists, Daniel and, and Busby really signed and developed and championed so many women. And like you said, even on the business side, most of the office was women. So I'm curious as to why you or what you've experienced on behalf of your female artists and writers. Have you had a lot of pushback from other companies? Because Vic and I have talked in in the first episode, we were talking about things that we've experienced as creatives, whether it's publishers or artists being like, hey, our writers don't really want to write with women unless they're Carrie Underwood or et cetera. Or, you know, hey, we, we really just would be crazy to sign a woman right now or to give a woman this slot or whatever. So I'm wondering if because you were really fortunate to help develop and be at a company that was headed by women, that was headed by men who championed women, did you experience any of of that kind of thing on behalf of your artists or writers or were you guys kind of cushioned from that because you were in this really female supportive space? I feel like we were lucky and we're pretty cushioned from it because we, it was never weird to be like, oh, hey, I just found this really cool writer. Like, what do you think about it? They were never like, well, we already have like a female top liner. Mm. Like, so why would we want to sign another one? It was never like that. It was like, oh, do they do something different than what we don't have? Like, Mm -hmm. that's all we cared about. And I'm sure from like other companies, it probably looked weird that we were like trying to develop more than one female artist. Um, But yeah, it never came up as like, well, we already got that, like been there, done that. <laughs> it's so funny how often that is, is yeah, the case when you look yeah. around town at the different rosters and it's like, yeah. oh, they have one woman there and one woman there. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah, I know. I think, yeah. I mean, I think even Buzzy too, like even in the pop space and country space, he's done really well with women or like yeah. women-led groups. Um, so I think like uh, for him too, it's like, well, I'm going to develop a company or like an environment that, I'm suited for too. Like it's mm-hmm. like he's he wasn't signing like artists in the bro country space because none of his songs would work for them. So I think it's also just kind of a proving like, extension of him too, of like where his musicality and taste lied as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. That's so good to hear too. Hopefully, it's a, a big signal of the industry, especially the country industry, because we're based in Nashville and like you said, pop is has such a bigger pool of women and especially women superstars our company now too wide eye we only have women on in the office side yeah that's amazing hopefully that's a a a really big signal to everybody to to give women the chance to create because the more diversity you have the better everything is just inherently the more perspectives the better is is there totally it's like half half of the audience is women so like when you want like at least one perspective in the room like like oh like just say this like well what if like 50 percent of your audience hates that like let's make sure that we have that person (laughs) and perspective to be like maybe like i don't want to be called that or you know like 
So yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been a it's been an interesting experience because Vic and I have also talked about that being in sessions with all men where they're trying to write a, a song for a woman and they will throw out a line and we'll be like, as a woman, if I heard that, I wouldn't necessarily take it the right way. And they'll be like, but I didn't mean it that way. And it's like, totally. I get it, but you, your perspective is just different. So the more yeah. you can have, the better. Is, is there it's the like- the same thing for like women trying to write like men's songs too. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like that was also a huge issue in country was like, for a lot of the female top liners, like they weren't writing, you know, female songs. So like when female artists started coming up and like bubbling up, like people are looking for songs for them. We're like, well, we don't really have any songs for females because like <laughs> the last five years I was told don't write for any of them. Yeah, so exactly. <laughs> then like you're kind of fishing in your catalog from like 10 years ago for the, these female artists and being like, do you like this song? And they're like, wow, this is like yeah. really old and like <laughs> irrelevant, but they're like, this is all I have. So female artists also then like don't have a shot because they're like getting these like older songs, you know, and yeah, probably not right. the best songs. Right. So yeah. like it's like a cycle too that way. It's like vicious. Yeah. yeah. I always think of um when you were when you were saying that you guys really um actually all the companies you've worked with have had a lot of women on, on the industry side. And I always think back to, to in college, I don't remember what it was called, but I remember the video that the professor played us and it was a concert where everyone was sitting down and not dancing. It was like an outdoor thing. And one person, he looked like a crazy person was just up dancing, flailing around. And it was a unintentional social experiment. And one person got up and joined him. And as soon as that second person started dancing, the entire stadium kind of like one by one, you could see people get confidence and then everyone was dancing. And it it was an unintentional demonstration of like group mentality. And that, you know, it's really not that first person that gets up and dances. It's actually the second person that joins that encourages everybody. So I feel like that's almost what's happening in Nashville right now where, you know, like you said, Marin Morris and Casey Musgraves and these women are having success when for years they were really struggling to get a seat at the table and unintentional nod to our title awesome (laughs) that but it got in there um and and now a lot of people are really starting to give women a chance so it's a, a really great thing and I think you guys are really at the forefront of being some of the first people to kind of kickstart that and and show what it's possible to do with women on your side but do you have anything you personally as an industry person as a creative yourself as someone who really tries to do the best for your writers and artists which I know is a fact because I've seen you interact with the people you love and care about and it's really a beautiful thing to see is there something that you can think of that's a personal thing that you've had to recognize and and see as maybe a hindrance to your performance or to you getting to the next step and kind of work on and overcome and recognize like a personal fault or anything I'm curious because I in quarantine I'm going through something like that too I'm like oh I didn't realize that was a thing for me that maybe I need to get over a little self-evaluation yeah yeah quarantine is the perfect time so you know but is there anything like that you can think of for yourself I think um, definitely spreading myself too thin and we're like, like you said, I do love to help people that like may not necessarily like be like writing for my company. Like I want to work with like songwriters are up and coming and like make sure I have my finger on the pulse and stuff. But at the same time, I get kind of like distracted easily because I'm listening to so many things like 
I'm trying to still focus on the writers that like are mine and make sure that they're getting enough attention. But I do really value and like love working with other writers and like helping people, you know, get to the next step in their career. But at the same time, sometimes that holds me back a little bit. So I guess that like trying to find a balance, you know, and you can't help everyone. You can't do something for everyone because then, you know, you're shortchanging people. Um, so trying to figure that out and really just focus my energy on people that I know I can add value to, um, no matter what, and be like, well, even if I think you're talented, I may not like have the tools or resources that can like get you to where I think you should be, you know? Mm -hmm. Well, that feels like a good segue for our rapid fire questions. Should we do those, Sarah? (laughs) So yeah, we have this little set of questions that are just kind of off the top of your head answers and just for listeners Mm -hmm. to get to know you a little bit, no stress. And we had to answer (laughs) these ourselves in the first episode. So we were like, wow. Um, okay, so um, do you have uh, like a favorite creator at the moment? Mm, I mean, I work with her, but Julie Michaels. Um, I'd also say Billie Eilish. Awesome. Julia's Songland best. episode was awesome. I loved Yes, I know. Thank you so much. Yeah. I was super excited about it. She's just like so great with, I feel like, developing writers too and yes. encouraging other writers. Yeah. Talk about someone who knows what it feels like to be in that position yeah, it was just cool to see her willing yeah. to listen to other songs. and Yeah, cool. totally, because she would never get an outside song, and I think that's such a cool concept, too, to see like her try to figure out how to fit someone else's song into her personal story. Yeah. 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 Um, favorite trend right, right now? Like, clothing? Any kind of trend. Anything. Yeah. Anything. <laughs> um, I cut my hair recently, so I think, like, the shoulder length, like, kind of, like, lob. I love, like, a good, like, long bob. Um, That's super random. (laughs) No, it's not. It's so good. We intentionally made these a little, like. Like, vague? Yeah, a little vague, just so so you could, you know, off the top of your head. So that's perfect. Okay, I'll take the next one, and then, Sarah, you take it from here. Sure. Okay, so what trend do you wish would stop? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Oh my gosh, so many things. I think right now, because we're in quarantine, like everyone doing Instagram lives, I've done them. They are awful. Like there's like 14 of them like at once and you're just like, ah, I'm trying to get by them all. And then you actually click one by accident. You're like, I didn't mean to join, but I asked them to leave like right away. Totally. I I had a friend who posted about that and said, yeah, if you like accidentally click on someone's Insta live and then you're in there, what do you do? Like, if you want to leave, can you like sneak away so nobody notices? I don't want to offend them. This is amazing. (laughs) It's the worst because they can see who joins and the worst is when there's no one there but you accidentally enter you're like i'm the like, only oh, person like one of six and you're like i can't leave now you're like now i'm a soul dream crusher and i have to stay for at least two minutes exactly <laughs> great answer that i wholeheartedly agree okay so the last time you failed and again this can be like any kind of failure oh man um we had trouble answering this one yeah it takes a minute minute. yeah because i'm like am i going do i go personal do i go music Mm -hmm. like and there's definitely so many failures like i'm like i'm like i'm just not thinking of them but like i mean it's funny because like in music i think like and i'm someone who you know if i do something wrong it's like a big the biggest deal in my life and i'm like oh my gosh everyone hates me like 
I think maybe like pitching songs that like might have been on hold for someone else or something. Mm-hmm. Um, probably something like that. Like I've done that before, and it's like you get all these people mad at you, and you're like, I didn't know who was tied up in this <laughs> thing, but like you're like, I but now this person wants it, and you know, so probably something like that. But I don't know. I think I think I, I view a lot of stupid things as failures, mm-hmm. and I would probably list a bunch of other things that you'd be like, wait, that's not really a failure. But like to me, I'm like. Yeah. Oh, letting someone down or like just you know like forgetting something that I should already know or like you know something simple that you do wrong I think like I see that as like oh like I just know that but I think giving yourself grace and having compassion for yourself is huge too especially right now so yeah. there's definitely a lot of things I view as yeah. failures but I also yeah I'm working on that too <laughs> do, you, do you know your Enneagram number we were talking about that just before gonna oh yeah <laughs> Three. We're th- we're all threes. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people in music are threes. Like you kind of have yeah. to be like goal oriented, like high That's- achieving. It's hard. It's a hard business. You have to like be like top of your game. That's Maybe so that's funny because that's why that question is so hard to answer because failure yeah. is the worst possible thing in the world. So yeah, you're like, I yeah. left it all out. Like, what are you talking yeah. about failure? You're like, I think I buried that deep within my soul. <laughs> we cut that conversation out of the first episode because we went on this tangent for like 10 yes. minutes. <laughs> and it's literally, we, we were both struggling to answer this question. And it really is, we got on the topic of quarantine is perfect for a three because you can fail in solitude and no totally. one knows. <laughs> Totally. the best but also kind of the worst for us yep. yeah and like I started off quarantine of like doing like so many tasks and like having a checklist and like mm-hmm. doing this every day and now I'm just like literally like whatever happens today happens like <laughs> let the world just like decide what I'm doing today yeah I mean honestly I started out that way too and this morning I got up and threw on my mom's old 80s literally from the 80s silk cheetah print pajamas oh, nice. and decided to have Incredible. potato chips for breakfast so threes Sounds for like the win <laughs> it really is that's that's why we're so successful you know what go big go home <laughs> <laughs> all right and the last question of rapid fire do you have any advice for your younger self like if you could go back to Noreen in as a as a child in high school at Belmont when she was just starting out her career whatever time do you have some advice you really wish you could give to that younger you um I think learning about other aspects of the industry um I really honed in on publishing and songwriters because I was like I love this thing but I like had to learn about you know the agency world and the management side like a lot later in my career which I feel like a lot of people knew about but I was like I don't know any of these terms or anything. So maybe like just trying to diversify um, and really learn about other things that I'm not personally working in. Um, That and also kind of going back to like being a three and like I came here to be a songwriter. Like I was like on this very narrow path that like I was not going to be told like I wasn't going to do this. Mm-hmm. But like kind of feeling like I failed in some way by giving that up. And then being a publisher, I'm like, well, I told everyone I was going to be doing this for like, like everyone back home, like knows this is what I came here to do. And it looks like I like just like took a day job and just like stayed there. But um, kind of, uh, yeah, I guess it's like having grace for myself and be like, it's okay to like change your mind. And like people go to school for something and then they change their mind. And, you know, like it's okay to like not have such a strict like self-identity and you can like deviate from that, you know? 
Absolutely. Yeah. Well, we love you. Thank you so much yes, for doing thank this. Thank you for doing this. Sharing your wisdom. Oh, of course. Good yeah. luck in Good LA. luck. Yeah. I'm very excited about your new Amazing. new job. Love thank it. Thank you and so much. Please keep uh, posting Instagram stories slash TikToks. Awesome. <laughs> love your TikToks, but I love them even more when your adorable dogs are in them. So I would really love to stay <laughs> up to date on, on your fur babies. Yes, exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, we love you. Happy quarantine. Happy packing. And we will see you later. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Safe right. travels. Thank you. <laughs> okay. So. Thank you again to Noreen. We hope you enjoyed our chat with her just as much as we did. And as always, we'll include links to any of the artists or organizations that we referenced in our conversation in the episode notes. So check those out too. To stay up to date on all things The Table on social media, join us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at the handle at sign the table women. And don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen so you never miss an episode. Our theme song, Stop You, is written and performed by yours truly, Sarah DeFores, co-written by Taylor Foley and Will Macbeth, and produced by Will Macbeth. We'll see you next time on The, the table. table. Do what you want, work what you got, say what you think, and don't let them stop you. Stop you, don't let them stop you.